0: Blog talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host Lorraine Nighthart. It is December twenty sixth, uh, twenty sixteen, and uh, you've reached Venus Unplugged. <clears throat> I know I haven't done a, uh, some Blog Talk Radio in a couple of weeks because it's continual computer problems, and now my Facebook seems to have switched to an old Facebook, but it will all be handled uh, hopefully this week or when Mercury goes direct. Just going with the flow here. So what we're doing is we're continuing with the myth of uh, of, uh, Persephone, Demeter Persephone, in the way of the underworld. And uh, today's episode is going to be about KOR, K-O-R-E. That is Persephone's name as child before she goes through the initiation rites of uh, this myth. Now, I think it's important that for the next couple of years at least, we need to see life as an initiation because. Persephone, it's it's a story, it's a mythology of how to transform victimization. You know, the child can be the victim, but the child is also the divine child. So there may be a wound that we are given that we need to work through and understand. You know, those moments of, why does this keep happening to me? It's because of the nature of the wound that we come in with. We actually can have post-traumatic stress from other lifetimes. Who knew? And uh, so we we have wounds. And if we just keep on identifying with the wound, uh, we become the victim. Um, And everybody else becomes the hero. And we never go into the journey into the underworld. We're given lots of opportunity but we don't always see it for what it is. So if you are experiencing life uh, from the point of view of the victim, you also will be given many opportunities or be able to say, you know, I'm going to want to turn this around. And first I want to begin to view this uh, as uh, a living myth within of um uh, from victimization to the journey into the underworld into becoming a queen. Um, so, and, and Persephone now, Persephone, at when she becomes Persephone and queen of the underworld, not only is she the wife of Pluto or the underworld or death, she also is given tremendous powers. And she's like the ruler of ghosts and she can carry effects Onto and curses of men, and it's through the tension of the opposites of a journey, right between divine child core and Persephone, and of course Demeter, her mother. It that's the tension of the opposites where the divine child is born, a new version of ourselves and of in our lives, and as. We change within the external changes, and yes, we need to be part of the external and to make the changes that, or at least begin to make some suggestions about positive changes, um, or that can be made in the world. But it starts in our own world; it starts personally, and then we go locally and then we can move on into other realms of the culture because the culture is in a great period of initiation, not victimization, initiation. You want change? Think of creative ways. Make them simple. The simplest ones are the easiest to remember and they're the most effective, and they will change. And they will change the course of history, too. So... What we want to understand here is that Persephone is initiated and through her descent and return uh, into a new identity. Uh, And that can contain uh, and negotiate the uh, opposites of the upper world and the underworld. And we think of uh, initiations as intentional rites of passage, intentional rites. It didn't happen to you. It is an opportunity to see, oh, I can choose to be the wounded child that is not connected to the divine child, because the divine child is uh, the archetypal child and knows and has great wisdom. But it's the descent, it's the preparation of the initiate provides uh, him or her with guidance for a successful completion of the descent and return cycle of initiation. But uh, life itself administers initiations to both the prepared and the unprepared. And I'm sure we've all noticed that in the last couple of weeks. The majority of people of our culture who receive an initiation into the descent of victimization uh, are children who are, of course, unprepared. How could this happen? This is terrible. Well, it is happening, and it is terrible, and it is an initiation. And we are provided with answers, but we have to make the descent. So the culture provides them with little or no guidance. And... For returning from the descent to a new identity. The predominant hero ideal provides only stoicism. So it's like over you know, oh, with the hero and with the superhero and everything. But that, that, that's the hero. That opposite of the hero is the descent. Or sometimes in the, the hero mythos, uh, vengeance, there are ways to resolve victimization. Not this time. We're evolving in a completely different way. So these responses do not really foster a real return from the underworld. Rather, they just freeze the victim in an experience in place of the central fact of identity. So you come back pissed but not whole. So the way in which uh, Demeter and Kore move through their initiation and dissent and transform uh, the portrayal of their innocence, can provide very different guidance, forming a kind of um, uh, retroactive preparation for the initiation descent of victimization. Persephone returns, not as the nameless core maiden, the unconscious suffering child, but queen of the underworld. But we are going to address core, the child. The uninitiated one, the innocent one. And the child is truly innocent. But when the call for initiation or the victimization, that is the call that to the journey, so we are no longer a victim. We become a we, we learn and we discover. Um, we can do this through many, many different, conscious or unconscious, we're going. All right. So we want to also understand that the purpose of mythology and the archetypes by which the way mythology is constructed, according to uh, Carl Karenia, mythology is the ability to understand what is through what was. Mythology is the ability to understand what is through what was. Not in the same sense as the scientific curiosity, uh, where man is determined to find the origins of the universe, but more in the context of helping contemporary man progress successfully through the daily motions and dramas of his everyday life. So that's what living mythology is. People will say, well, this doesn't make any sense. If This can't be it. What does this have to do with my life or modern life? It has everything to do with it. So we are constantly participating uh, in myth. We're in the myth, and the myth is in us, just like we have a soul, but we are in So par- participants of myths, they're used to step into the primordial path that they can see and their futures and define their identities. They must see who they, who they were before they can see who they're becoming. Thus, the gods and the goddesses of mythology represent spiritual ideals, paradoxes. Learn what the living paradox is in your life. Both things are true. It's called the tension of the opposites or paradoxes. If we choose one over the other, we will continue to be uh, lopsided. The paradox is when we can bring the opposites together. We're not choosing uh, which one we like and dislike or what's good and what's not good because they belong together. Yep. Shadow and light, it belongs together. Life and death belong together. They're not separates. So that's what, uh, you know, the spiritual ideals and paradox that allow man to exist in ways through myth. Now, Karenia even identifies two major archetypes of the divine in Greek mythology that represent... uh, paradoxical attribute. It's the primordial child and core. And in the core myth is both mother and daughter to herself. And this is true in males too where their anima will be mother, daughter unto herself. So when we begin to understand how to also tend to the wounded child. Because unconsciously so often with the wounded child we don't realize it's actually a a living part of it. It's a, a divine part of us. Or it has a connection to the divine. And we give it over to or people or situations that are really cruel to that child who have no connection to their own inner child. So, of course, they abuse one another. Um, we have to stop and say, hey, wait a second. Am I the abusive mother that uh, allows... Uh, or, or gives in to uh, let's say you're you're allergic to something but you eat it anyway or you know that a certain behavior or a certain friendship is not good for your soul uh, you believe the lies of that and you keep on going in because you want to be nice nice isn't going to get you anywhere uh, you want to be true you want to be whole and sometimes that means you just can't please others. You know, there's no way that that, uh, the pleasing, because the child pleases to survive. So when we uh, become a victim, we have learned, let me please the abuser, and at least I'll get through the day. But when we decide, No, I'm going to go through this rite of passage that life is presented. You don't have to go far. Just look at the burdens in your life or look what you're dealing with or look at the uh, um, woundedness or the illnesses. What are going on in your life? This is your call of opposites. So the sentimentality that we can have about uh, death and dying—it can be the death of a of an ideal, or that somebody um, is is leaving uh, the planet, right? Transitioning into the opposite of life. You need to be careful and not be totally sentimental. Like, oh well, they're leaving, so that makes everything that they did which was completely unconscious and wounding, they don't automatically become divinities. They'll be back. So we need to be very aware of the holiness, wholeness of life and its beloved opposite, death, because we're constantly moving through those experiences. So willingly or unwillingly, the core Persephone woman. Uh, we, we have to renounce the innocence, the bathing the innocence, like, whoops, I did it again. I didn't know. Well, you did it a hundred times, you should know. Or if something, see what repeats again and again. And then say, well, let me see it from the other side. Well, let me see it from its opposite. Maybe, you know, I contributed in some way by, by not making a very strong stand. And no, you will not hurt me ever again. And there are times you can love somebody very much, but they've wounded too many times. They're completely unconscious about it. There is no way they're going to cop to it. Even if you explain it, it's like, nope, not going to happen. That. They have to understand within themselves, which means that they need to go through the pain uh, of their own uh, behavior or unconsciousness. Very few people really do something truly uh, on an on a evil or cruel way, consciously. Do they do it? Yes. There are some people that are just naturally cruel. So recognize that and stay away from them. If every time you work with somebody or you call with somebody or it could be a family member and and you just feel bad, that's not your me, man. You just separate. And even if you have to be in the same household or within that person, you can just be quiet, go within yourself, uh, protect yourself, I don't know, with rings of gold or the color indigo, infuse yourself with the color indigo, which is the color of invisibility, and protect your inner child. That's how you become the loving mother to yourself. I know that's my boo-boo, or I know that is my post-traumatic stress boo-boo. Whatever it is, you're not letting another addict. That's what the loving mother does. Don't poke the mother bear because you're going to be in for a big surprise. The mother bear or, or the lioness, or actually any any animal and their children, they're not going to sit down and go into therapy with you. They're going to rip your head off, because that's the instinct. So I'm not suggesting we rip one of his head off. Although you may be tempted, it's being able to say, I will not allow this anymore. And no matter how many times people can try to trick you, you say, no, 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 no. They don't know this about themselves. So you can stay silent, and you can say that you are in the presence of a mystery, which, of course, this time of the year is the great mystery. We are in the presence of a mystery. And the, the love and respect that we have for mystery, we don't go looking for the answers. It is a mystery. We are not allowed to have the answers. But logos is the answer. The, the answer will come. First, we have to, or at the, at the end of knowledge, you know, when we go searching for wisdom and knowledge, no matter how much you search, no matter what you do, you end up, at this place of mystery. And the mystery is the sense of being in awe, like, whoa. Or you get this feeling to not trespass. It's like, let me just sit with my not knowing. You know, poetry is a lot like that. Suggestion, not knowing. Or uh, the arts, we can look at something and it's not necessarily a conclusion or today's news. It's this mystery of of, uh, the eternal archetypal images. So we're at this great place of mystery, which is going to bring great change. So, you know, one minute at a time. So I found this uh, quote, which I thought was very interesting. It's always maiden and always mother. So it's the story of and of Demeter. And the following is a complete statement of, uh, of a noble Abyssinian woman recorded by the German ethnologist uh, uh, and, and cited by Karl Kerenia in the famous essay Cor. That's Karl, C-A-R-L, Kerenia, K E R E N Y. Hi. Contemporary of Jung, they were actually BFFs, and they, um, uh, the the living myth was uh, very much part of uh, their world and what they shared in their friendship, and Grenier was a uh, recorder of myth and interpreter of myth. So here we go. I thought this was very interesting. Now, this is an obsidian woman, so we're uh, tripping like, mm, I don't know, probably... 800 years ago, Uh, how can a man know what a woman's life is? A woman's life is quite different from a man's. God has ordered it so. A man is the same from the time of his circumcision, his birth, uh, to the time of his withering. He is the same before he has sought out a woman for the first time and afterwards. But the day when a woman enjoys her first love, cuts in her her in two, she becomes another woman on that day. The man is the same after his first love as he was before. The woman is from the day of her first love, another. That continues so through all of her life. The man spends a night by a woman and goes away, his life and bodies are always the same. The woman conceives. As a mother, she is another person, then a woman without child, and she carries the fruit of the night for nine months in her body. Sometime, something grows, something grows in her life that never again departs from it. She is a mother. She is and remains a mother. Even though her child dies, uh, through all of her children die. For at one time, she carried the child under her heart. And it does not go out of her heart ever again. Whether the child is born, whether the child is, uh, is uh, never allowed to be born for whatever happens. All right? and not even when the child is dead. The child will always live in the heart. He does not know the difference before love and after love, before motherhood and after motherhood. He can know nothing. Only a woman can know then and speak of that. That is why we won't be told what to do by our husbands. A woman can only do one thing. She can respect herself and she can keep herself decent, she must always be as her nature is. She must always be maiden and always be mother. Before every love, she is maiden, and after every love, she is mother. In this, you can can see whether she is a good woman or not. So this is from the science of mythology. Now, I think in modern worlds, that's not entirely true. Uh that men have certainly evolved to be able to relate to the feminine and certainly are becoming aware of the feminine within themselves. So I don't see this as so black and white. Uh, uh, Certainly a man does love and is love in ways that a woman cannot perceive. And they're quite extraordinary in that love. But we're talking about core's awakening, So Cor, as the child, as this flower-like child, is everything. And some say that, you know, Cor was seven when she was abducted into the underworld by her uncle. So this is an incestuous uh, dynamic. And incestuous in this term means there's always a pulling back into family or familiar. And one of the greatest journeys of consciousness or the tension of the opposites is when we don't return to what is familiar. Now, for a long time, for those of us that choose wholeness, we will experience great guilt. It's called the guilt of individuation. So it's the more difficult path in in so many ways because we cannot go back to the old way. But we must, as our journey of individuation uh, becomes more conscious, we must bring a gift back to the culture that we have symbolically left. So this is why we are artists and creators and writers and poets and healers. And so we leave... Uh, the way that the people we incarnated to live their life, which is fine but may not be for you. But your gift back to that world will be your natural gift that you struggled the paradoxes within yourself and you struggled towards if not completely healing the wounded child, at least relating and knowing when the wound is up and you're coming from the wound, or the wound is being ignited by someone else, or something else, and you become the wise, the wise person that says, I'm not going to allow this. I, or I see a situation that's going to be dangerous. Or the children of tomorrow are not going to have a tomorrow if we don't change today in effective ways. Not this, why did this happen? It's done. It happened. That's the day we change course. So that's part of this time of the year, and that certainly is what's happening in our world around us. And so in this this, this ancient story, Realize that the function of of Hades, death, or the underworld, it's to carry the core, the child, downward into a new consciousness of the inner movements of her body as a woman, as a vessel of creation, as the great life-death cycle that dimly and distantly belonged only to the outer world and now dramatically announces itself within her uterus in the form of, you know, her first blood. That's a very important moment in a woman's life, her first blood. And it's not understood, and it's not honored enough. It's part of what the ancient mysteries were about. Now, for the male, or the male aspect within ourselves, we go on more of a heroic journey. So we could be having simultaneous journeys happening. It's not linear. It's not one thing at a time. It's multiple levels. Psyche knows how to take care of it. This is why we're unconscious, too, because we'd be so confused. We'd be frozen. We wouldn't be able to move. All right. So through our first loss, it's the loss of blissfulness and almost a symbiotic oneness. Uh, In this story, father and daughter, and oneness that begins in the womb itself, where they both are, and then the beginning of time, and united at the very source of life itself. So core, which is the flower-like, the very essence of girls, or the girl, or the young child, and their beauty and their innocence. But they're doomed, as we all are. Because like blossoms, they have to fall and fade to become mother and then become a wise woman. So this is part of what this journey is about. And we're certainly going to be giving due opportunity uh, for initiations and wise women. So I'm not quite sure where this is going to go in the realm of Facebook. But I'm going to have my um, Facebook uh, Uh, Jeannie come and fix all this so that you will be getting this properly. So in the meantime, you can go to my website, LorraineKnightHeart.com L L O R R A I.